welcome to where the furniture isn't always the best, but the views, they are Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the 13th floor where the furniture isn't always the best, but the views are amazing. I am your host this week, Coach K, and I'm here with a full crew, full, full, full. We even got family visitors this week. <laughs> but before I get to that, I'm going to start out with my man. He just got his back cracked. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. BJ, what's going on? I'm good, man. In all sense of the word, it's like time to take care of self. Um, and make sure we're doing right by ourselves and not letting our bodies go. That chiropractor been calling me for a couple of years, and I've been putting off, putting off. Today was the day, like, you need to go. So I feel great right now, man. Let's get it. Okay, what prompted you to go? Were you, were you feeling bad with something hurting? It's like, silly. every night before I go to sleep, I really have to crack my back in different ways to get relief before I can actually sit down and go to sleep. Um, so it's just like I got to the point where I'm cracking my neck like all throughout the day. Um, it's just a point where it's like, okay, I need some relief and not doing it myself before I end up hurting myself. Yeah, yeah. Um, nice. So, so what method are, is your your personal back cracking method? Are you uh, kicking that leg and swinging to the opposite side? Are you uh, <laughs> what you got I going on over there? To the, the, the edge of that bed and grab the one side and kind of twist and <laughs> get that, that loud pop. Get the that, that pretty much. <laughs> Yeah, then yeah. the neck is whatever's gonna pop it at that point in time to get that relief. It may be the quick jerk, but that gets old when you're sitting in meetings and doing stuff all day, man. So we do not recommend, ladies and gentlemen, go to a chiropractor. Do not right. self um right. especially <laughs> if you uh especially if you are age forty and above, because you mess around and try to turn to that one side and pull something on your whole left side or right gonna side. Gonna get you a permanent, yep. Right. <laughs> right. I can't right. even bring it back. Yeah, you'd be a temporary invalid. Uh, all right, well, you guys already hear his voice. Fresh is in the building. What's going on, sir? You know what it is. Letting everybody know, show me your bits. Another um, wonderful shirt brought to you by the uh, prestigious clan over there, mycoolt-shirts.com. Y'all go copy some. We here. We live. We living. What's up? That's what, that's, that's, that's what it is. That's what it is. Back in the building. Had a one-week little I ain't going to make it, but Faison is back. Yes. Yes. Well, everybody knows by now about the uh, the notorious headaches that come and go. Um, and listening to last week's uh, podcast, um, you're right. Listen to your body. Your body was like, no, it, that's it. Go down. And I, I went down crazy hardest the minute that um, I told you guys I couldn't do it, got in bed and was out. So, mm. uh, But this week, I am excited. There's a sigh of relief. There's a breath. Um, I really enjoyed watching the political um, pomp and circumstance today. And I even sat and watched the entire press conference and smiled when it was over because it was joyful. Um, so we'll talk more about that, but it was a good press conference. I don't know her name. I don't want to know her name. I just want to know there's a press conference and that's it. I shouldn't know the name of the person holding the briefings because it's not about them. So there you go. Okay. 
All right. All right. Well, we're glad, you know, no headache this week. We're glad. We're glad to hear that. Mm-hmm. Uh, without further ado, as I said, uh, we got a, we got, I'm not even going to call him a guest because he's family. So, uh, you know, when he walked in the building, we told him, get yourself a plate, go check the fridge, fridge yourself. Uh, but this week, uh, we got one of our brothers in the building, uh, Mr. Obina, Obilo. Hopefully, you know, I don't get cussed out for that later for saying it wrong. But uh, this man is a finance professional, a writer, a poet. Um, he hails from Jersey. And, and listen, let me just tell you, his way to Jersey and Jersey City, where he currently resides, is really crazy. Um, he is the firstborn of two Nigerian immigrants, uh, but was born in Canada. Uh, and now he is in Jersey City, where he's been for, for much time. Uh, went to school in PA. And uh, he's here with us today. And we just wanted to invite him out, man. He's an author. He's, if, if listen, if you haven't done it already, you never heard of him. Uh, you know, as we talk about supporting black business, uh, no better way. There is a book out right now that this man has, has written called Memories of the Future. Um, and it just actually came out the end of last year, actually. Um, and we'll hear more about that shortly. But uh, without further ado, um, Obi, welcome to the 13th floor. Hey, I appreciate you. Art, appreciate you. DJ, appreciate you. Fresh, thank you for having me all. Uh, it's always nice to see you, brothers. Uh, it's good to see you guys. Good to be here. Uh, apparently, I didn't get too lost in terms of the directions I took. Uh, I, I came off the elevator. I think I, I think I made that first right turn, uh, mm-hmm. as, as was advertised. Uh, so, you know, I'm happy to be in the room with you guys. It's a glorious day. You know, I, you know, we, we don't need to do too much political talk, but uh, listen, it's, um, it's, you know, it's funny. I went to sleep last night, and I was like, oh, damn, we'll just nestle into this bed real quick. <laughs> it, felt, it felt good not to, like, you know, not, not to have to just, like, worry about what kind of nonsense is going to, uh, you know, uh, overtake my day. Right. Uh, I, I have enough nonsense going on as it is. <laughs> you listen, you are absolutely right. Um, ever since they stormed the Capitol, it's just been like, all right, what's going to happen? Yeah. What's going to happen on Inauguration Day? Mm-hmm. We heard all the chatter and everything, but you know what? We're not even going to give that respect right now. We're going to come back to, to, to this day. Um, it's not often that I think when you when you talk about poetry, um, ever since the days of Deaf Poetry Jam, I think things just got kind of quiet. Like everything was kind of like popular then. People had poetry spots and, you know, going to them. And that was the thing to do. Um, and lately, it just seems like that part of the culture has gone kind of quiet. Um, but here we are today with a poet. Right. And I guess the first thing is what what, what led you to poetry like? Talk us through that. Uh, sure. Well, first, let me let me actually give a shout out to uh, the young woman who is uh, the U.S. Youth po- uh, Poet Laureate, uh, Amanda Gorman. Uh, she was fantastic. I, I, I thought it was really dope to, to hear her words, uh, especially on that kind of stage for her to have that kind of presence, uh, as well as that message on that stage. It was it was. It was impressive, and I, uh, and she really, she, I think she really met the moment. She did, and and you know what, I, I I hope that was the beginning of many moments for her because to me it was just like, hey, 
she has arrived. Here's our modern day Maya Angelou, right? Great way to put it. I don't know if there was anybody there or anybody that since Maya passed that we thought was like, man, this is this is the person that's gonna step up and be that role. And I think we saw that today and I can't wait to see, I, I wanna find out more about this young lady. I didn't yeah. know anything about her before today. Yeah, I mean- Very true. Yeah, I mean, what I'd say, I mean, we, we, we still have, you know, uh, you know, Nikki Giovanni, yep, and yep. Sonia Sanchez. I mean, there are there are definitely uh, poet poetic voices that are, are very relevant for this time. I'll go into some of the folks who've influenced me, but um, it's beautiful to see a I think to your point, a black woman and especially a young black woman um, out there on that stage, particularly with, with the history being made with uh, with Kamala becoming vice president. Um, but I'll just go quickly into what what I got what got me into poetry. You don't even have to go quickly, man. You can take your time. Okay, I'll take yeah. it. That's fine. Uh, I started writing when I was five years old, six years old. Just I used to have like a blue notebook, and I'd write down everything from like capitals of the U.S. Mm-hmm. The states of the, the states in the U.S., capitals of the world, other bits of information, and then I just started writing like little poems and essays, like when I was young, um, and then really you know, outside of like stories and like, I always had a, a, a passion for writing, um, but I really picked it up in college. I had a friend of mine, uh, Carlos Andres Gomez, who was like the person who was known for poetry on Penn's campus. Uh, he's still a, a touring and performing uh, spoken word artist uh, nationally and internationally, although, you know, folks aren't really doing too much abroad currently, but uh, in any event, um, we were classmates in college and he, he just came up to me one day, you know, we had taken some classes together and he came up to me one day and was like, you know, Obi, like, I know you, you're, you know, you really care about, you know, uh, social issues. Uh, I know you have a, you know, deep reverence and, and passion for hip hop. Um, you know, I know you, I know you really like to write. You should really think about doing spoken word poetry. I, th- I think, I think it would be a good fit for you. And, you know, coming from somebody like him, who like everybody on Penn's campus knew like he was the guy, I'll, you know, it, it, it encouraged me to, to sort of try my hand at, at writing, um, you know, spoken word and, you know, really started finding my voice that way. So, I, you know, so I, I've had sort of different iterations and stages with, with my writing, but uh, that's how I came into, you know, writing in my modern era in, in spoken word poetry. So that's, you know, taking me back to, you know, the early 2000s. Um, yeah. Uh, until now yeah so let me ask you this question right because you said you didn't really get into it until college um which was university of pennsylvania i think i mentioned earlier but um what was that like as a child being in a nigerian household and here you are writing poetry and stories what what was what was the support like for that they they bought me pens and (laughs) and the notebook i'm pretty sure you know, I mean, my parents knew I, I like to like write and read. So, I mean, like, I mean, structurally, like being an African kid, if you're like, oh, hey, I want to spend some time writing and reading. They're not going to be like, no, 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 you got to cut that out. Go get a right. job. No, <laughs> no, they were they were they were very supportive of, of but, me writing and reading. Uh, and did they know that you were writing poetry, though. Well, I was writing like I would write like short stories like I was right. Okay. I, was, I was just writing just generally. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, my dad, you know, and I always had, you know, I always like to like think about ideas and argue. I argued a lot uh, as, 
as our uh, art knows, I'm, I'm, I'm big, I'm big on arguing. So, yeah. you know, like my dad, you know, like, like a lot of, a lot of, like I was gonna say Nigerians, but a lot of immigrant parents, you know, you always say like, you know, become a lawyer, a doctor, engineer, mm-hmm. which really for them is like, you know, these are tangible things that they know are, you know, big professions, but also things that they understand. And, and, and they've seen somebody who's done that, done something in that, in that, in that way, you know, so it's something that they, that they can perceive. And so, you know, my, my parents always wanted, you know, uh, always had fashion hopes of me becoming a lawyer, which, you know, writing is still going to help in that realm. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, I mean, so they were always supportive of it. You know, it's it actually, I, I kind of threw them a curveball when I said, oh, you know, I want to go to, you know, study business in college. And they were like, well, you know, what is that? Like, you should still <laughs> think about going to law school or something. But uh, yeah, no, from the, from the writing, the writing front, you know, they've always, they've always been, you know, my family's always been encouraging of it. It's just, uh, you know, and, and I've always been able to do it as a passion, right? It's, you know, it's, it's interesting. I think, as you say, like, you know, just being an immigrant and then writing or, you know, mm-hmm. being like a, you know, somebody who's known for doing finance and writing poetry. I think those are sort of the, the things that, that may stand at odds to some people, but, you know, I've always been able and, and enjoyed, you know, being, you know, many things at the same time. So yeah, in my writing, I'm able to, to kind of explore and express those things. You know, it's funny that you say that, um, being able to express those things. So what, what was the subject matter of like some of your early writing? Um, there was one story I remember writing, uh, it was the summer between, I think it was between my fifth and sixth grade, something like that. And I wrote a short story. It's like, like 40 or 50 pages. I basically spent the whole, it was a summer camp. I spent the whole summer camp writing out a story about me going on, like, I think it was like, like Teen Jeopardy or something. Okay. That was this whole thing. <laughs> like, yeah, I went on Teen Jeopardy and like, I, I didn't know enough characters. So like, like the two other, like, like the two friends who came with me were like two girls who happened to like, I just named them out there, like two girls who happened to live in my apartment complex as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, they also applied and got on Team Jeopardy somehow at the same time as I did in my, in my story. Um, you know, long story short, you know, I, after, uh, you know, a couple trials and tribulations in the tournament, I was able to come through victorious. And, um, you know, so like, you know, that was that was an early story I wrote. I will, although I will say, and uh, I believe God rest her soul because she, uh, you know, she was elderly at the time. But uh, one of my teachers from when, when I was a kid, like my, my dad like brought it to her. Like, it's like, oh, look, my son wrote this short story. And she like held on, she like took it and held on to it. And was like, oh, he's gonna be somebody someday. I wanna have this. And I was like, well, you, can you make a copy for me or something? Like literally, like I wrote this thing by hand. Yeah. And like, like, I finished it and that was like the last I ever saw of it, which is, you know, often a reminder of, of how, how black folks in their labor gets uh, co-opted by by the forces that could be right who knows what she did with that poem with that story you know she might have given it to she might have given it to one of her grandchildren and say hey <laughs> just swap was, some names just swap some names out <laughs> that was the real basis of slumdog millionaire he just changed the things up and changed the show that's what happened <laughs> right 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 in, in a way right. yo like, in a way like that if i think back like that, i mean the elements were there see yeah. see Wow. Wow. That's, that's interesting. And, you know, it's, it's things that we don't we don't think about. Right. Like like your dad was probably just proud. Was like, Oh, look what my son did. Mm-hmm. And this lady was like, let me read that. Oh, yeah. This Can I have this? 
<laughs> I want to keep this as a memento. Right. right. Uh, that's funny, man. That's funny. So let's talk about the evolution of writing, right? So you, you, you start out stories. It goes poems at some point, right? Um, you meet Carlos in college. He gives you a little push. Uh, let's talk about the college days, man. So at that point, you know, what does the writing then, then turn to at that point? So I really wasn't writing anything specific. I mean, I was writing essays, um, like for class, like I, I almost actually almost pursued an English minor. So, you know, a lot of stuff I was writing was just sort of like long form or opinion pieces. Um, if and as, you know, uh, you know, the thoughts came to me, it was, you know, like listening to hip hop, maybe writing some rhymes. Uh, so it was more, it was, it, it was very rhythmic already things that I was writing or things I was thinking about. And you know, like, but like my writing style as it relates to a, even how I write now, it's, 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 it's more, it's like a, it's a prosy type of poetry. So, you know, there's no particular rhyme scheme. It's all about rhythm and, um, you know, like, you know, like, like multisyllabic, you know, uh, you know, a lot of assonance, a lot of alliteration, um, you know, so, so there's a, there's a rhythm to, to the way that I write mm -hmm. and, and the way that I, that I, I perform, I guess. So, um, you know, that's really what's come through. There's, you know, but I've, I've been able to find more of myself in, in the writing. You know, before what I was doing was just, you know, again, like I was very much a, a political actor for lack of a better way to put it. Um, you know, I was very active and, and, and aware of different causes and different concerns and was, you know, out in support of them. Um, and then, you know, so when I was writing poetry, it would really be a lot more of an outward reflection. Uh, and, and, you know, and there's still certainly room for that, you know, if you, if you observe like the spoken word scene for a long time, I mean, there, there are a lot of people who are, you know, very much talking about politics and what's yeah, going on. Yeah, what's, uh, what's my guy's name? It's Saul something. Oh, Saul Williams. Yeah, 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 yeah. Saul Williams. The 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 OG the the, the quadruple OG of spoken word poetry, man. Yeah, yeah. I did. I think I, I did. I forget when I watched uh, that movie Slam for the first time, but um, yeah. yeah, no, like it was. You know, you know, you you have those kind of actors, but then I really started, you know, to think about actually putting myself in the poems in a way that was meant to be more revealing and be and make myself more vulnerable. Uh, in, in my writing and, and hopefully more relatable to not just to the audience, but even to myself. Right. Cause mm -hmm. you know, at the end of the day, like, I, I don't know if anybody's read my stuff more than I have. So I have to be able to go back and look at it. And, you know, even if I look at the words, I'm like, yo, man, like, you know, like I can at least say, you know what, in that time, in that moment, I knew, I knew, you know, like I understood what, what that, who that young man was. Mm-hmm. Let's, I, I think, I'm glad you went to that topic because I was going to jump in there and ask you about that moment of time where you're going back and you're reading through the ones that didn't make it into uh, within the world of spirit or, or didn't make it into memory of the future. Um, when you look back at, the, at those 2004, those poems, the, the spoken words you, you put there, what do you think about? Are you able to pull that emotion of where you were at that moment and fill that, that time frame? That's a really interesting question um, that actually has a very specific answer. 
So, uh, well, I'll just kind of give the anecdote, right? There are there weren't like a lot of pieces that that didn't make the book for some reason. I, there was some stuff that just didn't fit in like my first book um, um, within this welded spirit. Um, you know, but that was really like it was really kind of capturing the first year and a half. That was really, really in like writing and like writing more slam stuff and just kind of like really active. It was like it was, so it was like more encapsulating a period of time. So there was some stuff I was just like, ah, there's there's tighter pieces that I have um, than this. Like, and I there's just not enough to rework here. But then you know, I, so I put the you know what was that manuscript together to publish it, and then I was still writing. So I was still writing a bunch of stuff with the intention of putting out my second book. Um, I lost my hard drive that was laid out to publish that second book. And I was planning on doing that in 2006, around that time frame. And then, you know, started grad school, then started working in New York. And I really just literally stopped writing poetry. And I started writing poetry again in the midst of the pandemic. I found myself, you know, in the house, you know, observing what was going on in the world. And like a lot of people, I think a lot of people just started out being confused and even thinking like, you know, all right, you know, they, you know, we'll be, we'll be back, we'll be back by like April or May, maybe, right? Like, like there, there, it wasn't a lot of clarity at first as to how long this, it, even saying this, like, I, I still don't even know what this is, but like, like what this, you know, whatever we thought this was, we thought it was going to, I think a lot of, a lot of us thought, okay, it's going to be short lived. Then you reach the point where like, oh damn, like this could, this, I don't really know but I have to get used to what the world is. And I was still writing through that. Um, and a lot of my stuff was observational. And then it started getting more poetic and people started saying, oh, I like, and I was using uh, this hashtag on Instagram, just kind of chronicling thoughts and putting stuff out there. It was, uh, the hashtag was Corona Chronicles. And people started asking me like, oh, you got to put out the Corona Chronicles. You got to do something with this. Um, and I got the idea from one of my cousins, um, to you know, kind of blend of some old pieces with with, with new stuff, uh, and, and and that's a, a a long bridge to get to the crux of your of your question, which is I had a bunch of poems that I had written 14, 15, 16 years ago, set up to a lot of stuff that I had written like in 2020, and even when I had stopped writing, part of the reason why I stopped writing was I have an idea and be like. Man, I can't write like I used to. Like I didn't, I didn't give myself enough room to just write. Like I was too critical. And then I started writing. I was like, yo, this stuff is tough. So then I, you know, when I started going back to the old stuff, I was looking at it and I was like, all right, well, you know, it, 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 you have to figure out, well, how do I get myself? And now it's like this is going to be the hardest part of all because it was such a long gap, a time gap. Is how do I get myself into like the thought process that I had, you know, you know, almost half a lifetime ago to figure out where I wanted that poem to go to then say here with my new artistic sensibility, what do I need to do to make this poem be what it is? And so uh, two quick examples. One, there was a, there was a, a reference in one of the poems early in, the, in where it lands early in the book where, you know, I, I made a reference to, you know, my 10-year-old cousin who wanted to write poetry. And now she's actually 
a well-known poet in Canada. Um, but, you know, like she's 20, you know, she's like in her 20s now. So, you know, the, the, the quick edit, they, that's like a quick edit. So instead of saying my 10-year-old cousin is when my cousin was 10 years old. Very simple. Um, there was another piece that I had in there. And I was talking about uh, this child that my aunt used to take care of. And uh, her mother was a heroin addict and she was born addicted. And I remember when I wrote the piece, I was writing the piece when I was like in like just graduated college and trying to reflect back on the time when I was like, you know, 12 or 13 observing this child. And I just remember when I read the pieces again, when I read the piece again, I was like, this is a good piece that the problem is I'm like blaming this mom too much because I don't know who this woman is and I'm just not giving her enough grace to understand, to just appreciate that like life and circumstances befell her that like she's not a criminal right in that way and so I had to I had to really just kind of soften my tone but that's also part of life that got it, it's not even really just a poetic poetic sensibility it's like uh you know it's my own self understanding that like listen who I was like I wish I could look back and I hope I look back on who I was when I was in college for example and I hope we all can do that and say you know what Yo, he might have been a knucklehead or whatever, but like, yo, he was on, he, he clearly was on the right track because he got me to who I am right now. And, and that you hope that, you know, especially with, with support systems, that people have that space to get to where they, they are and where they, or, or, and or where they can be. And so, you know, I had to rework that piece to just kind of give, give that woman a little more space to understand like the difficulties that she, that she encountered. So, it's stuff like that. But once I was, and once I started making those kind of edits, then I was like, all right, cool. Yeah, I'm back because, you know, my mind is now clicking and I can, and I can actually, you know, I can interpret my old self into my new self, if, if that makes sense. You know, that absolutely makes sense. And it's funny, man. So I didn't even realize that the, 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 the period of, let's call it revitalization, um, was in 2020 once the pandemic hit and i say all the time um you know people think about the negative things that came with the pandemic but there were so many positive things that came as well such as the clearing out of all the noise and now you're spending time with yourself and your thoughts and you're starting to think about man remember when i used to do this um and you found a way to rekindle that which you know, we always talk about that being one of the, the benefits of the noise clearing out and the smoke clearing out of all the things that aren't really that important and with us really getting back to to who we are. So I, I really want to get to um, one of the pieces, if you don't mind sharing. Um, but while you're doing that, what I heard, right, and I don't know if everybody else heard it, there was a little bit of uh, mental health maintenance in this process right yeah like even at that time maybe you didn't realize it's what you were doing but when you go back and look at it and you're trying to make sense of those situations and as you say now you're adding clarity um do you see that now carry through to who you are now and realize the benefits of what you had done yeah uh i, I mean the, the the short answer is is, is definitely because I think that 2020, you know, I think a lot of people were like, you know, like F 2020, like this year is terrible. And it clearly wasn't like the best year. Like I, I, like if I go through all the other 
38 and a half years yep. <laughs> I've had. Like, you know, 2020 is probably not in, in like, you know, it, 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 in some respects, it's, you know, I'd say like it, it, it wasn't my favorite year, but like in a lot of ways, it was my best year. And I think one of the ways is that it was very, very insightful. I, I, I don't think that, I think that the ability for us as individuals and also as a collective community to have some of these reckonings were act, was actually very, very illuminating and important for some of the discussions that needed to be had internally, externally. So I think that's, that was critical that it happened. I think it was also for me, you know, it, you know, it helped me manifest. And I think the book just happened to be like one outcome of being able to like, you know, take a step back and just be more insightful, be more observant, um, be more caring and, and, and give more grace. I think one of the things that a lot of people have done, and I hope that we continue to do this, um, even if things go back to quote unquote normal is, you know, like I'll write emails or I'll, I'll check on people. I, I, I even just period, I, I'm checking on people more. You know, as you see people, you greet them more, you know, you ask people how their day's going more. You know, you ask them about their family more. Um, you know, understanding that, you know, a lot of people are dealing with this situation. It, it is, it, the situation itself is a trauma. There, there are external traumas because of what may be going on with their family. You know, people that have kids, the kids don't understand what's happening or the kids do understand what's happening. Um, you know, parents, you know, not being able to see family, being stuck with family. I mean, there are, there are all these different iterations of, of how people are having to, to sort through this time. Right. But, you know, again, it goes back to the point that I, I said about just giving ourselves a little bit more, uh, being more empathetic to just generally, but also I think to ourselves, because we spend more time with ourselves than anybody else. Than anybody else. Yep. 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 No, that's dope, man. Definitely. Well, man, I think we probably got the people uh, that they're probably waiting now to hear something. So <laughs> let's, let's give them a little something. Let's give them, let's satisfy that thirst right now. All right. Um, you know, I, I have two pieces. I, I will do, I'll do one and then we can, we can, uh, and then I'll, I'll hold on to the, I'll hold on to, to the other one and, and, uh, and do that one last. If, if you, if you guys don't mind. Yeah, man, absolutely. All right, cool. So, so this piece is called Day 93 uh, to Reverend William D. Chappelle. Um, it was, you know, again, I, it, it, and just to even give a little bit of context for, for the audience, um, there's a lot of pieces I was writing, again, in the midst of the pandemic. And so those pieces started, started on day one, which is literally the first day that I was, you know, you know banned from going to the office and you know working from home until and I, I use the cutoff point of day 100 and so as, as you can notice you know i'm saying day 93 like you know a lot of stuff at the end of the book like it was literally as things were happening and one of the things that happened uh, around that time uh was uh dave Chappelle dropped uh, the 846 um uh special that i know a lot of people saw and and it was you know it was one of those you know, it's a comedy special only in the sense that it's Dave Chappelle who was who was the who, who was the vessel through which it was delivered. Right. But it was one of the most powerful uh, performances I've, I've I've seen ever by by a stand up or really by anybody taking the stage. And um, you know, he was talking about you know the the, the eight the eight minutes and forty six seconds 
that that officer was on on the neck of of, of brother George Floyd. Um, but you know, there was something even within there that he that he focused on, which was his family legacy and lineage, and that was something that that really really stuck out to me, and, and, and so I wrote a piece about that. Um, so I'll I'll get into that piece right now. For generations, our griots have shared the joys and howled the anguish of our ancestors loud enough to reach the ears of the unborn. In those instances, we are reminded that though our textbooks were stolen and our libraries raised, our stories have endured, written on vocal cords, tattooed like ink patches of parchment. You know, it is no accident that in the wingspan of perceptible grasp between a great grandfather and where we stand today, sits over three centuries of knowledge within the reach of the institutions of our minds. These are the pillars the Parthenon could only pantomime. So do not ever insult me with talk of simply letting go when these traumas and triumphs still bear a name that reads as my own. Let this journey be my open letter of thanks to the lessons learned from those teachers I will never meet. The reasons who begat the reasons who begat the reasons I came to be for I can only hope that their scripture continues to resonate through me. And this too is my postscript from a time transported only in, only in my veins to the days that have yet to see the children who will yield the grandchildren, who will yield the great grandchildren I burden with my legacy. But no one ever questioned that I loved you, that I have faith in you and that you will all be okay. Nice. Wow. Um, man, I just want to take a moment to pause right there. <laughs> um, one, it's, it's just amazing how easily you just transitioned and flowed into that space. Right. Um, and it's amazing when when we're doing something that comes from so deep within inside that that just comes naturally. Right. Like you there, there was no doubt that that's who you are right there. Uh, so talk to us about that piece, man. What, what was, what was the significance of that piece? Yeah. So, you know, I, and, and I really appreciate that. Um, you know, what, what the, the thing, and again, going back to that Dave Chappelle special 846, what really stuck out to me was, I mean, it, which sticks out to me, especially now with everything that Chappelle does, because he's so specific about it in a yeah. very, very, even more intentional. He was always specific about it, but he's even more deliberate about how he does it, which yep. is framing. And so one of the things that he framed in, 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 the, in the special was the legacy and the, and the importance of, of his, of his great grandfather, Reverend William D. Chappelle, who was like, you know, one of the leaders of, of the AME, uh, uh, Catholic, or sorry, AME Church, sorry, um, not Catholic, uh, but AME Church in, uh, I believe either in like South Carolina, I believe South Carolina, if I'm, if I'm not mixing up the, the, the detail on location. Um, but, uh, you know, for, for um, you know, it, it just really, you know, it really just stuck out to me, like, in terms of like legacy and how all the actions that we take can influence things that you know we'll never experience as well as how many actions that are taken before us have influenced what and who we are today and i think a lot of that has to you know we see a lot of those inferences right and so you know what can we do now to 
you know, establish new legacies, right? What can we do now that way that, you know, you know, the, the, the sadnesses that we had, the traumas that we dealt with as kids, you know, aren't passed down to our kids, right? Who are then going to pass it down to their kids, right? You know, um, it, it's, it's just something, it's really just something to, 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 to think through. And, and, and this was just my way of, of kind of processing that feeling. Yeah. And for me, you know, let me tell you, man, I, I saw you paying tribute to the title character, right? Like William D. Chappelle. I don't know if the D's right, but William Chappelle, and then that legacy of going to what's now presented as Dave Chappelle. But then I also saw the duality of you now talking about what's going to happen with you and eventually when you have kids and that legacy and everything that you're doing now being a quote unquote burden. Um, for them, right? Which, you know, when we, when we think of burden, we think of a negative connotation, not always realizing that, hey, you, you might have the burden of good, right? Based mm -hmm. on what I did. Um, so it was just really cool to watch that, that, um, that, uh, that duality that was in there. And I don't know if that was intentional or if that's just, just my perception, my, you know, <laughs> what I saw, but that's what I got. Yeah, no, I mean, that was, that was, that was, that was the thought that I was thinking. I mean, I, I was trying to translate that sort of nugget that I took from that that piece into a, something that felt not only just kind of general to, to experience, but then also my own, you know, what I would hope that I'm able to impart, knowing what has been imparted in and through me. And, mm -hmm. and then I, I also, there, you know, you also resonate and touch on, you know, a little bit or sort of tangentially on, on a Black experience you know, to say, like, listen, like, you know, we, we have, you know, centuries of, 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 of mistreatment, putting it mildly, right? So, you know, don't, you know, folks should not be told, listen, like, these things don't matter, because, you know, they are not that long ago that they've happened, and that those experiences are still reverberating through us. So, you know, I, I mean, I, I'd even like to hear from, you know, from, from, from the crew, just in terms of like, not necessarily how they felt about the piece, but I mean, it could be about the Chappelle skit or, or, or even just, you know, how they feel, you know, how you guys all feel about, you know, when you're thinking about your own kids. I don't have kids yet, so I'm just making this stuff up, right? Yeah. About, like, you know, but it's just, you know, and, and again, I know, uh, you know, Art is my brother-in-law, so I know my nephew's. Um, it, it, you know, are, are, are in the house probably, hopefully they're sleeping, but, um, even still, you know, like, I, I hope that there's some good that it comes of them knowing me, you know, um, but, you know, I always you know, think about like, how, how do, how do you guys think about that, especially in this time now that we're in? Well, yep. And I'm gonna let the guys, the fellas jump in. Um, but it's interesting that you say that because immediately when you talked about the legacy and where we are today, I thought about the 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 things that occurred today right in inauguration um but let's get the i'll let the fellas jump in first with with their feelings on that legacy piece and the actions that we're doing today i'm gonna i'm gonna concede first to um our resident oldest uh child maker here um who who's kind of leading both of us in the path of what's right and how to and give us an example of what it is so child maker Yes. So BJ, if you want to, I'm like, I'm sitting here like, are you talking about me? Like, you are exactly. <laughs> Listen, 
This First guy, one to go bang, bang, bang. I watch, <laughs> I watch his leadership style. Got with coordinate. <laughs> with kids. And it's just, it's amazing to me. So I, I think it's, I, it's befitting to let him tell that story because I've let my path through his experience. Yeah, that that I so I, that's a humbling statement because I I wow like seriously you caught me off guard with that one man um <laughs> and and I say that in all humility because I I try on a daily basis to just think what do I need to do today to guide right um and one of the epiphanies I had over the years is that like my parents there were a lot of things that we were told we needed to do because that was just the way the house ran right but given the freedom to make choices and to fail was probably the best experience that my mom, shout out mama, cause I know you watching. Um, then my mom and pops, they, they let us do. And it wasn't, we have to save them. We have to make sure that they're coddled all the time. It was that freedom to fail and learn from mistakes, but know that they were there to, again, not save us, but help us if we need, if we, all we had to do was reach out and they were there. And for me on a daily basis, that legacy piece now is, how do I instill that thought process, that that emotion, that, that just desire to go out and just do for myself and not have to rely on the world to give me everything um, is a daily struggle. But I also have to say that I look at you guys as well. Um, one of the greatest joys, I, and I mentioned to Kay the other day, well, a couple of weeks ago now, um, it feels like the other day. Like, I see y'all and y'all kids, and that's a blessing to me. Um, and, and I see, I say that again, I see Dre. Um, Dre, y'all know Dre's daughter. Uh, we watched her when he, the family was going through everything with them. Um, bless up Kingston. Like, every time I see that little man, like, a tear comes up my eye, because, like, that was that's just a blessing to see everything and you guys know what I'm talking about so yep, to yep. see that man walking around and doing stuff and just up like I'm blessed to see the offspring of everybody else and, and again when I say that I say, I think about what is my responsibility not about BJ but just to make sure that they have what the, the tools they need and the necessity they need like when um, okay when Wendy and Ashley were down here and they called and said they wanted to Asher said he wanted to come see Uncle BJ. Yo, my heart lit up. Like, seriously. Like, I was on cloud nine. You know, like, Asher said he wanted to come see Uncle BJ. Like, what we got to eat? What we got to, for him to do when he get here? Like, we got to entertain him. Like, come on, let's go. Like, we put everything on pause to take care of, make sure he was good and make sure when he wanted to come, this is the place where he's safe and providing that sense of protection. For me, that is... The ultimate form of legacy is not about we have to take care of of the finances and all that stuff but it's the feeling you get kids have when they come around people it's the understanding of these people are here to protect me and guide me and again as a ob as uncle obi like that's what that's what that magic is that's what that 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 presence is um I talk about my father. my father passed away in 2003 at the age of 49, hitting 40 this year and coming up in that last nine years that he only lived on this earth. Like it's scary for me. Mm. Praying and hopeful that 
my life is extended beyond that, but I have no idea what tomorrow holds. I know I, I, what the next nine year holds, right? But if if that in the twinkling eye is gone tomorrow for them, how prepared did I leave them to fight in this world? Mm. That's the legacy. How prepared did I did I have them to understand that this tribe that raised them, that you guys right there, no matter what they know and what do, this is their tribe who's gonna support them and that tribe is there no matter what. That's the legacy that hopefully we can, that I'm doing something on a daily basis. And I'll just pray that when the time comes, that's that's the thought that they have. Cause you can't make it, you can't tell them this cause it's, it, kids, it goes over the head. Like they don't understand that. But what processes, what experiences have I put in in front of them to let them know that that reflection time comes, that that is the legacy. It's the tribe around them. It wasn't about daddy. Um, one of the biggest things Again, I'm gonna cut it after that, that we had a conversation about parenting um, at the church level is re really, your job as a parent was God bless you with the kids. You had them and you protect them and then you let them go. You give them the tools they need and then you let them go. They have to make their own decisions. They have to live their own lives. And if we can accomplish that, it's a, it's a success. This is why I let him go first. Now, now all of America, the world knows this process. And how do you follow that? Simply by saying, I wanna make sure that when my time comes, um, my children look back at all the things that I taught them and the things that I taught them make them think of the man that I am and the man they're gonna be better as. So my entire goal in my life with them is to teach them everything that I know but also teach them everything that I've seen to ensure that they then can pass that on to their kids. Mm. Yeah. Um, you know, it's funny. I think BJ mentioned um, it's not about money or something he said to that effect. And it's, it's really the feelings and, and the experiences. Mm -hmm. And that's the truth because I think we get put into this false sense of, man, this legacy that you that you got to leave is 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 in the bank account, right? And then being able to not have to struggle from a financial standpoint, but when you struggle from a human being standpoint of the voids that you have, um, I think that's the true danger, right? And that's the tr the true damage, and where things get passed down, as opposed to look, I think for probably all of us on here, our parents probably didn't really have a whole lot of money in the bank when we were younger, you know, when we were kids. Did we know it? We didn't know it though. And we felt like we- No owned clue. No clue. Uh, you look at things that are going on in the world right now, you know- For that first school trip, but, that, but for the most part, nah. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Um. You know, you think about the political climate right now, and obviously, you know, we're, we're hoping that we're going to be in an uptick here, mm -hmm. but politics didn't matter to us when we were kids. That that wasn't all, all the politics that were going on then. We were oblivious to, right? Mm -hmm. Our parents, we we had our experiences, and, and, and I think those are the things um, that you're right, that become important. Those want to be part of the legacy um, experiences and how to treat people like those are the number two things. And then, man, if, if I can start you off with some money too. Mm -hmm. Okay. That's, that's great. Mm -hmm. 
but don't become dependent on that. Don't measure your success and your ability in this life by that bank account. And um, silence. I, th I think it's, I think it's, it's befitting before we, before we go, um, before we let Naobi um, go back to the world of writing and, and complete his next book, which he's working on. Um, I, I, <laughs> 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 um, I, we got to talk about the black business aspect and how you are self published. The big factor there that does not talk about enough and how you went through that process to make sure of it. And I know this can go, this could be a whole other podcast of just how you went through that process for it. I can come back. Listen, you got, you know, you gotta let me back, you know. I I, I can come back. But um <laughs> no, I'm I'm more than happy to talk about because you know, so the funny thing is I'm still I'm still learning about the you know the experience. So like when I had my first book, I just wrote it. I wrote it, put it out. I didn't really like take too many. I probably shouldn't do it on the podcast. But I didn't. I didn't take all the requisite precautions. Um, however, with this book, I, I figured, well, you know, there's going to be some opportunities, not just for the book, but potentially to do some engagements. Um, so let me create this LL, an LLC, and I also want to, uh, you know, start doing some stuff on the real estate side. Although structurally, I need to, uh, you know, you, you, you want to make sure that the, your real estate properties are bankruptcy remote. It's another matter. Yeah. Um, <laughs> for, the, uh, for, for, for this conversation, you know, I decided to, to put the LLC together. Just, you know, honestly, the, the number one reason was just so I could cleanly track what things related to the book versus things that didn't relate to the book to, to the rest of my life. Um, you know, and then, you know, so, you know, it, you know, went through the incorporation process. Uh, and it was fun. I actually had a, a good friend of mine who basically just reads these kind of contracts all day. So he helped me save a, a bunch of money versus having to, um, you know, find somebody else. He made sure I, that my docs were in order, um, you know, and, and, and so, you know, been going through the process and, and again, figuring out how to, like, what, what kind of company to incorporate, you know, how to incorporate it. You know, and, you know, right now it's, you know, single, it's, you know, single proprietor, but, you know, I could change, I could change the, you know, the way, you know, the way the company's structured, depending on how I want the tax liability to look. Um, you know, I haven't really dived into that piece yet, because again, this is still more of a passion project. I and mean, to the extent that, you know, speaking engagements and all these other uh, elements become a, a, a much more active lane for me, so to, you know, so to put it. You know, you know, I, I may make some other, you know, considerations again, you know, from to, to from a you know limiting liability standpoint. But you know, I, I thought it was important just to have, you know, the business incorporated. You know, one again, like I said, for tracking purposes, and also, you know, again, it allows me to, you know, have you know have something to present to people and say, all right, well, it's not just, you know, the book. You know, there's a plan, and I'm working on other other activities, um, other engagements. You know, you know, there's a structure around how and you know how it's all presented. Um, so you know, again, like you know, the the LLC was formed. Hashtag Igwe LLC was formed in August of last year. So like really right before the book came out. Um, and you know, I'm still like working through like you know like the filings and stuff because you know, filing you know quarterly filings on the sales tax, uh, sales and use tax in New Jersey. 
And then I got a, there's a bunch of other stuff that, uh, you know, I'm, I'm sorting out, you know, figuring out what, what the actual uh, liability is going to work out. Uh, it, you know, and then I also got to see how much of my, uh, my, my rent I can, you know, potentially apply since I worked from home for most of the year, as well as, you know, did this whole project out of, out of, out of my place. So, um, you know, again, there's, there's, there's always going to be some advantages to incorporating. Um, I, you know, for me, I what, one thing I realized, you know, you know, it, it, it's funny because I'm, I'm in finance and I, and I do corporate lending. Um, but you don't think about all of the different factors that, that go into like your own personal, you know, Ellen say, you know, I, I can analyze everybody else's stuff, you know, but you really got to take the time to figure out, you know, your own strategy and your own, your own financial objectives. Uh, and, you know, and so, the, you know, this is just something I'm, I'm doing to keep the book organized, but also, you know, as, as I look into other things that I want to do, you know, whether it's creating additional, you know, ent entities or, you know, having, you know, an umbrella entity and then having some other, you know, some, some, you know, some, uh, some entities that kind of roll up in, in, into that, you know, um, you know, there's definitely some considerations that I have there. Uh, and, and again, you know, from the book, it's, it, you know, the primary thing is, is, is that is to enjoy into enjoy the book. I, I've been saying it'll be, it'll be a happy accident if the book becomes my full-time job, mostly because I have, you know, I, I, I have to be making a, a, a lot of money for this to become my full time job. Listen, this, this, we, it's, we know it's that feeling. Yes, exactly. It's the first step, but it's it's there. It's out there now, and because it's out there, and um, you, this man has an official ISBN number. Um, this is not you're not going to find this man um, on the side of the street hustling a book. He's going to tell you to buy it from a website or buy it from a um, an a authorized seller. Um, so it's it's hopefully our listeners, you know, or if you want to let them know where to find the book, um, where they can get it from, and how they can follow you to hear more about it. No, certainly. Um, so the book is on my website, hashtagigwe.com. Uh, the word hashtag. Uh, Igwe, I G W E, all one uh, dot com. Uh, and then you can also follow me on social media, uh, primarily Instagram. Uh, my personal Instagram is RSB the Goat. Uh, and then I also have my poetry page uh, and, and, and performance page uh, at hashtag Igwe. Um, so, you know, you see this, this continuity in terms of the, uh, the, the, the branding and marketing, or you can send me an email at hashtag eGway at gmail.com. Uh, so those are some of the ways that folks are able to connect with me. Uh, I do have a YouTube channel, uh, that I, that I do link to. I, I, I got to big, give a big shout to, to BJ. He, he helped me orchestrate the, uh, the, the launch party and launch event I did for the book that was very successful. So thank you again, brother. Um, and, and, and fellas, I really appreciate, um, you know, you guys giving me a chance to, to, to check in with you guys on, on this historic night, not just because I'm here, but because, you know, we got a new, we got a new president. Right, right, right. We got a new president, new VP. Hey man, no, the pleasure is all ours, man. Um, definitely not. And I think for sure, uh, we want to have you come back because I mean, we just really talked about one of your, I'm gonna call it a gift one of your gifts. Um, I think there's so much more um, that you have that we can expose people to and, and, and make sure that uh, we get some push behind these entities that you're about to create. 
Uh, I'm excited for you. Um, I think what I want to do, and I want to make it real clear because we've said it a couple of times in passing, but this is not book number one. This was actually book number two. Um, The first one was called Within This Welded Spirit. um, And that came out in 2004. Really quickly, um, is that one available on your website as well? Yeah, both books are available on my website. Perfect. Uh, you know, I, I have a team that's helping me with distribution. So, uh, mm-hmm. so certainly if you check out the site, you can find both books on there. Uh, proud of both projects. Uh, nice. Yeah, obviously very excited about, about this new one. But the, the, the old book, you know, uh, I, I still have people who reach out to me and let me know that they, they have it on their bookshelf that, you know, they still read it. Uh, from time to time, I've gotten some really, really amazing messages about this, uh, this, uh, this new book too. Uh, people who've been really touched by, by, by the writing and, and some of the messages uh, therein. Yep, ladies and gentlemen, memories of the future and within this welded spirit. Um, go get both of them. Uh, we want to put Namdi and Arenze, um to work with distributing uh, those books. <laughs> get that free labor while we can. But um. Hey, so what I want you to do for this next piece, because, man, it's been such great uh, having you here. And, 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 and the first piece was, was, was awesome and I loved it. And I want to make sure that we intro this one properly. So what would you say to the people that the theme of this one is? You, you know, it's interesting. And, uh, you know, just kind of looking through uh, the, the book, you know, I'm, I'm going to pick a... Uh, a, a, a somewhat of a shorter one, but I think the theme of this is again going back to what I was talking about about grace and just being expressive, being able to be there to support uh, and acknowledge um, each other, particularly as black men. And 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 uh, I think a lot of the reason why I, I, I really thought about writing this one, I, oddly, it was one of the hardest pieces that to write for for as as um, you know, as simple as the rhyme scheme felt to me, because of I think the the message that that laid within, and also given the time frame that it was written, and when you had, um, you know, Ahmad Arbery, when you had, you know, you know that you know his assassination, you know, taking a job, George Floyd being assassinated, um, you know, what happened with Breonna Taylor, what happened with you know Christian Cooper in Central Park, bird watching. Um, and, and, and you had all these these instances of of you know continued violations of black bodies. Um, you know, I wanted to you know speak to some of the 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 pain that a lot of people were going through in that moment that we were seeing spill out into the streets. But I also wanted to write something positive because, like, listen, you know, I'm getting weighed down by all of these like all these feelings, all the, you know, everything that's going on in these streets. And then you're like, well, I, I don't want to be out there in the streets with everybody because we're in the midst of a global pandemic. Um, you know, so it was a lot going on. And, and, you know, I really had to take the time and say, listen, I, I want to just think about like, how do I connect with people in a positive way and, 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 and reflect? And so it came out for me in this piece that was, uh, uh, it's called Day 90, uh, Affirmative Actions. Is that you, my brother? Tried and true, my brother. Let's chill, my brother. Let's build, my brother. I support, my brother. One accord, my brother. I perceive, my brother. I believe, my brother. I hear, my brother. 
Don't fear, my brother. No war, my brother. No more, my brother. I protect my brother. Won't neglect my brother. I respect my brother. Yo, let's connect, my brother. We'll rap, my brother. Let's dap, my brother. Let's hug, my brother. I love my brother. Man, thank you for that. Um, I could tell that as you were going through that, that that one, um, it tugged at some heartstrings there. Um, <laughs> it's really interesting, man. I mean, just to watch, you know, you connect to your own words um, and, and where you go. Um, but that one was powerful. Um, definitely something that we try to embody here week in and week out on the 13th floor. And even uh, when we're not here um, on the podcast, uh, our conversation is daily, right? And uh, thankful for these brothers and thankful for brothers like you um, that are willing to be vulnerable and, and put things out there in that way um, because that's a side that I think um, society has kind of uh, dehumanized us a bit and make it seem like we don't have that vulnerable side and um, just takes away from the importance of, of Black men and, and us supporting each other. Uh, so thank you for that, man. Definitely appreciate it. Once again, um, giving up some of your time for us. We definitely appreciate it. And we will have you back soon. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, once again, um, on Instagram at hashtag Igwe. That's hashtag I-G-W-E, uh, hashtag Igwe at gmail.com if you want to get in contact. And also www.hashtagigwe.com uh, where you can pick up both books and learn more about uh, OB. Uh, also known as Obina, uh, as the as the full first name. <laughs> so, thank you, brother. We appreciate you joining us. Uh, hopefully, you'll be back soon. Um, I don't know about anybody else, but I'm gonna go out and cop two books right now. Uh, you should do the same. And, ladies and gentlemen, that is our show here on the 13th floor, where the furniture isn't always the best, but the views are amazing. And we will catch you next week. There it is. How amazing! 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 Amaz